Good to have you back again. And if you have your Bibles, turn with us to Luke chapter 10. Mm-hmm. We're in a series, Naked and Afraid. And today's theme is living your best life. Yes. Living well, your best life. This is, this is exciting. This is the most exciting thing that um, ever I get to preach on is living your best life. God, yeah. it's God's plan. It is. It's God's plan it that we live plan. an abundant life. He, uh, and that yeah. is his plan. Yeah. We want to celebrate it. We want to learn what it means to do that today. And that's what Christ has called us to right. live in. And so we spent the last four weeks talking about the journey of this life of health, emotional yeah. and spiritual health, where they are not separated. They're connected. And um, today we're going to talk about living your best life. And that has a lot to do with our relationship with God, this relationship here, the vertical relationship, and then our relationship with one another Mm -hmm. and in the horizontal relationship. So many times, you know, we separate those two. We're real good at loving God. We got that one down, but we're not so good at maybe loving our spouse well or loving our friends well or loving our coworker well, or as we'll learn today in the parable, loving our neighbor well. So, you know, sometimes we can get these things disconnected. So today we're talking about connecting them, bringing them back. Yeah. So our lesson based on the famous parable of the Good Samaritan found in Luke chapter 10 And it starts at verse 25, goes through 37. We're going to begin at verse 30. And Jesus has just been asked, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And in this reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down to the same road and he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise then. We're going to talk about two myths that we carry with us. And the first is this, when you and I accept Jesus Christ into our lives and he comes and lives inside of us, somehow growing into an emotionally mature adult is natural and it just happens, we think. We, we think that's, and I wish that were the case. I yeah. wish that were the case. It's a you myth. Know? But when we accept Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior, you know, hey, mm-hmm. I'm a new creation in Christ. That's the good news, right? Yeah. That's the good news of the it gospel. The where all things have, our old things are passed away and all things are made new. That's 2 Corinthians yeah. 5, 17. And we can apply this to our whole life. Hey, I'm in good standing with Jesus. I am righteous in his sight. And he loves me so much. Right. And so as we look at this, that is the great news of it. And then you just look at the, uh, the Israelites then who came out of 400 years of slavery. They were not mature. By grace, they were now God's people. They were his chosen ones, loved by him. But there was still this whole process of learning and growing in discipleship that they would go through and have to go through. Right, that we have to go through as believers as well. So, you know, the thing of it is, is for most of us, physical growth just happens, right? 
We, we really don't right. have to think about our physical, physical growth. Most, for most of us in a natural process, physical growth just happens. But intellectual development, now that takes some work, right? Sure that, does. that takes some input of culture, of society, of school, of knowledge, yeah. of book study. Our parents Learning. usually have pretty good effect on us and developing some intellectual growth right. and social growth in us. But this area of emotional development... Um, there's not a whole lot of influence to make sure that that happens in a healthy way. Yeah, so it doesn't come naturally. Right, we it think it does, but it doesn't. Yeah. That's the myth number one. Myth number two is that a Christian's ability to love those around them is different from those outside the church. Right. Now, and that's what we hope to be true. It should be true, shouldn't it? Isn't that true? But the truth is, as many sociologists have found in Christians and non-Christians, is that most Christians' ability to love other people is not that different from those outside yeah. the church. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy, you know, if, if we love people who love us, we're no different than other people of the world. Right. Isn't that true? Right. So that's we, we got to grow. Yeah. You know, so the divorce rate, sad to say, is, is pretty much the same inside the church as outside the church. Right. You know, things like, um, you know, um, conflict, anger, mm-hmm. sexual immorality, greed. We see we're very similar. There, this doesn't look yeah. a whole lot different to the world than inside the church. And so it's not really that much different. And so the quality to love here, you know, right. underneath the surface, behind closed doors, it's not that much better either. Yeah. And normally, you know, on any given Sunday morning, anytime we have service here, whatever, you know, there are good things that are happening. And we don't under mind and take away from that, but good pretending happens as well. Yeah. I mean, isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. yeah everyone looks wonderful praising mm-hmm. God, yeah. and, but behind closed doors, sometimes things aren't that great in marriages and families. Right. And deep down, this loving others thing, mm-hmm. uh, something that should seem so natural mm-hmm. becomes very challenging. Yeah. And that is so important that we look at that today. Yeah. Really, really hard stuff here. And, you know, it, like Paul says it best in scripture, he says, you know, hey, but I don't have love. I've got nothing. Yeah. If I don't have love, I've got nothing. You know, right. throughout Scripture, it talks a lot about love. It does. And how will they know we're Christians? By our love. Yeah. So if we don't get this love thing right, if we don't learn yeah. to love well, we've got nothing. You know, the mm. problem is that very few of us in our upbringings um, have learned how to love well. It's true. I mean, we just are lacking this, myself included. And so it's something with, we have to learn with spiritual maturity. We have mm. to learn how to love well. And that's what maturity looks like. So how do I actually actually implement loving well in my life? Right. So I'm glad you asked because this is part <laughs> of the discipleship. Uh, right. This is part of discipleship. I love mm. that we're, we're highlighting grow today. These are discipleship yeah. classes. These are classes that we're giving you to help you grow right. and mature. But growing in the love for people is no different than growing in your walk with the Lord as yeah. far as memorizing scripture or getting a prayer life started or yeah. um, spending um, time growing up in his word. This loving people thing um, has got to be learned. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to be okay with that because you know what? Growing up, we haven't learned this well. Yeah. You know, uh, we're going to talk about going back to go forward again today. Um, but some of us never learned what healthy looks like. Mm. We haven't learned what healthy love looks like. We might have learned what conditional love looks like yeah. or, or, or unhealthy love. But this is an area that mm. um, we're going to talk about today. So here's a little inventory we want to give you. Coming in, you've gotten a sheet of paper that we're going to go through. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand, and maybe the good ushers will bring you one. Um, I'm not sure how many we have, but um, 
we want to go through this with you. It's a mm -hmm. little inventory just to see where you're at today. Yes. Just a sense, not to say, oh, to be an insult, but just to say, hey, here's where I am, but here's where I'm going. So, Isn't that the good thing? God loves us so much. He's not going to leave us where we are. And right. I know about, you know, we, we all have growing to do. So it's just yeah. looking at that. So it's, on that one side, just real quick, is yes. there's the temperature gauge. We're not looking at that right no. now. We're looking at the flip side where the words are. So the very top of that will say infant. And so that's where we're starting is where it says infant. And we're going to look at um, the infant as a baby, a little baby. Now, if you have a little baby at home, you know that your little baby <laughs> can't speak yet. And so if your baby has a need, <laughs> what does your baby do? Your, your screams, cries, Well, I, when you said that, I was saying if you have a little baby at home, you're very tired today. or You're not true. resting well at it's all. True. You can take a nap. We, we, we don't mind, really. But yeah, you, you, your baby has to fuss and whine and cry to try to be able to communicate. Why? Because the baby doesn't have words yet. Right. Baby doesn't have vocabulary yet to communicate the wants and the needs. So mm -hmm. the chronological baby must wait for the parents to try to figure out what's going on. Uh -huh. Try to figure out what the need is here that needs to be met. Does, does my baby have gas? Does the baby need a diaper change? Does the baby tire? Does the baby have a temperature? Does the baby too hot or too cold or need a bottle? I mean, you're as a parent, you're <laughs> frantically trying exactly. to figure it out. And as you try to figure out, if you don't figure out, what does the baby do? The baby Ooh. gets louder, and the baby gets more angry, and, and it escalates, right? Right. So as an adult so who's an emotional infant, it's not really that much different. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's really not. You know, the adult can use their words, but they don't communicate well. They don't, yeah. they don't express their needs and their wants, and I don't yeah. know that they even know if they know what their needs and wants are. Right. Because why? Because they're just an emotional infant. It's a, they're a baby, so they resort to tantrums. Adults resort to um, intimidation, kicking, screaming, crying, yeah. um, making making scenes. I mean, does mm -hmm. anybody know anybody? No, maybe yeah. you shouldn't raise your hand. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Some of you yeah. may be thinking, that's, forget that's, about my baby. Look at my husband. The, the I mean, he does. Yes. <laughs> hey, we're here because we love you. We love you. We love everyone. Right. Yes. And so now think, if you will, of a chronological chronological child, maybe five, eight, ten years of age, they can communicate, but they're still dependent on others. Instead of saying, I'm really sad because my friend, you know, didn't pick me for the kickball team or whatever, the child comes home and starts throwing things. You just said maybe a tantrum, doesn't know how to express themselves, or, you know, they, are, they don't even know how to show anger clearly. But a chronological child will act out of feelings of pain, resentment, fear, rather than being able to articulate them. And so they lack the skills to openly discuss and negotiate getting their needs met. Children can't do it. They don't have those skills yet. But an adult who's an emotional child is still acting out of resentment through distancing, could be pouting, could be whining, could be clinging, lying, withholding, appeasing. And they do not openly and honestly express their needs either because they're still functioning as an emotional child, though physically they're grown up. Right, and so let's go down to the adolescent because we're growing up a little bit here. So the adolescent just generally rebels against parental authority. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of what they're known for. They're, they fear being treated as a child, so they're kind of like the don't tell me what to do stage. You know, how many of you in the house have an adolescent 
that um, you're raising right now. Bless your heart. Wow. Yeah, we got a few out there. Man, it's we just need to pray for them right now, don't we? Because <laughs> yes. this is a hard stage. This is a really hard stage because, you know what, they love you one day and they hate you the next, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no black and white here. You're either in or you're out. And mm -hmm. what happens when we're not growing into our emotional adulthood and we stop right here that it's adolescent, yeah. no matter how old we are, we're still mm -hmm. emotionally adolescents and we act that way. Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, I'm going to give in to you, but now you owe me because I'm keeping score here. Mm. And, um, you know, the capacity for mutual concern in this relationship is missing. I'm still, right. it's still very much about me. I'm still very much nar narcissistic. I'm into myself. And so right. if I would try to give constructive criticism, I'm offended. I, I'm, I'm defensive. I'm threatened. And anytime there's a conflict, that's exactly how I'm yeah. going to react is on the defense. You know, yeah. if you say something negative to me, and I'm just going to have three right back at you. Mm. You know, that, this, is, this is the adolescent. Yeah. And so really to begin to help turn the corner is we have to realize it's by God's grace. And a part of growing and maturing in Christ is we grow into emotionally healthy adults. An emotional adult that's healthy is able to ask for what they need, what they want, and what they prefer, right? They can do it clearly, directly, respectfully, honestly. And, and with an emotional adult, it's not a win-lose conversation. How many of you know we live in a world that's all about win-lose, in the relationship, it's win-lose. You know, I win, you lose, and vice versa. But instead, when you grow into healthy maturity in Christ, it's like I'm going to go into this believing we're both going to win. That we're both going to win, and I can give you and give myself room to make mistakes and not be perfect, and it's okay it's, it's not the end of the world, really. And I'm starting to preach some of your notes. I'm That's sorry okay. there. But, um, okay. but um, you want to see another yeah. point of view. No, yeah. you do much better on that. <laughs> well, an emotional adult can say what they need to say without attacking. Yeah. They can say what they need to say. Why? Because it's in love. I mean, the heart of it is in love, and the root of it is, hey, yeah. I want peace with you. Because the Bible talks a lot about that. Hey, be careful to try to stay in peace with, with everyone if possible. Yeah. You know, I had a friend once who told me, um, you know, I would rather stick a fork in my eye than confront, mm. confront that situation. Wow. And I thought, wow, you know what, that's really sad because you're just going to go on pretending. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, you're going to go on pretending. Well, Jesus came to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, right. because Jesus always came to destroy false peace. Right. And there's a lot of false peace that happens, and we just keep going on, and we don't mm -hmm. confront it, we don't deal with it. Mm -hmm. But that's false peace, right? It is. But it Jesus is. came, he's as a peacemaker, not right. a peacekeeper. Right, and so we need to be able to have these conversations, right. even though they're hard. You know, we had a pastor, our very first pastor we sat under, he always said he was a real country preacher, and he always said, if you got to swallow a frog, swallow it fast. You know, so we're always, we kind of treat conflict like that. We don't like it. We don't no. want to do it, but we would it's rather so swallow the frog and be healthy because of it than to let something go on and, and be toxic. Right. That, that's what we're talking about. So we've got to right. be able to have these healthy conversations knowing that it's in love. Yeah. Um, and so we can, we, can have, we can resolve conflict as an emotionally mature adult. We can negotiate mm -hmm. solutions instead of acting like a child or an infant yep. or, or an adolescent. And guess what, guys? We can disagree and we can still be friends. We That's can disagree. So true. And we can still love Come one on. Another. We can do Come this. On. This is a timely 
right word, I would for sure say. You Amen. Know, but for some of us in the church, it's time to grow up. Woo. It's time to grow up and say, you know what, um, wow. I'm going to be loving That'll Jesus preach. well, and I'm going to be loving my neighbor well. So yep. I want you to look at this list again. And just honestly, just no one's got to know this, but, between, but you and God, just where are you on this list? Yeah. Where as a follower of Christ, it's just realizing that emotional adulthood doesn't come naturally. And some things yeah. from my past have messed me up a little bit that have put mm. some stumbling blocks in my way. But you know what? That's the journey I'm on. That's right. And that's where I want to go. So, so you know what? This is just the hard work of discipleship, integrating the love of God yeah. and loving others. That's so Loving true. others well. And so if we look at the parable, the Good Samaritan, we see the Samaritan as someone who is demonstrating healthy, emotional, adult loving. This parable was written to us, churchgoers, Christ followers. And so we also see the lawyer who is a, is a Bible scholar, it, like a pastor, a priest, and someone who's got all the right answers, ask Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is it. That's it. And so love God, love other people. This is the whole Bible. This is the gospel in a nutshell. And we see that Jesus' response makes the lawyer uncomfortable. And he asks, well, who is my neighbor? And how do you define the neighbor thing? And then and Jesus tells him this great parable. Yeah, yeah. so the story goes here is a man is walking on this road. He's beaten up. He's left mm -hmm. for half dead. And we see in verses 31 and 32, two people come across his past. Now, one is a Levite and one is a priest. I think it's interesting that God, that Jesus chose these characters yeah. to play because these are two men who know the Bible. They do. I mean, they have memorized the first five books of the Bible. Very well. They are they have preached sermons on loving yeah. God. I mean, this is what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. they, they serve the Lord, and yet we see them walk right yeah. by. They see what's going on, but they don't wow. see it. Their hearts aren't moved. They're not stirred, and they just yeah. continue. There's nothing but deadness inside of them, and they keep going. Mm. So clearly, there's a disconnected spirituality that's happening here. There is. You know, somehow they've separated the love of God and loving God well to loving other, others well. And Jesus says, hey, I want, I want us to bring this together. Yeah, come bring it together. You see this as by comparison. You'll, you'll look in this. You'll notice verse 33, which is the heart of the parable. That's the heart of the parable. The good Samaritan comes by. He is stirred by what he sees, and he has compassion. And it says he sees the man, and he, the whole, the key word, the whole key word has compassion. His heart is soft. It's not hard. It's moved towards the man, and he does something to help him. And the shock of this parable is the fact that it's a Samaritan who helps. That's the right. shock. It is. The key word is yeah. compassion, but the shock is this a Samaritan, mm -hmm. and you see this because Jews saw them as second-class citizens, right. as inferior, and Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They did, and let's just shed some light on this subject. They were different races. They were from different religions. They even had different political views. Isn't right. the Bible relevant? Yes. Whoa, this is just... Timely, timely, mm -hmm. timely. So as far as the Jews were concerned, all the Samaritans were going to hell. I mean, that's, that's, mm -hmm. just, that's just how it's put. So there's a deep animosity between these yeah. two groups of people that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus tells the story, and he makes the Samaritan the hero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just imagine the shock as yeah. they hear this. He's the, he's, he's he's the, the hero. hero. And yet we see yeah. he takes pity. 
He has compassion, compassion, the same word in the Greek that's used throughout the New Testament for Jesus. When we see Jesus, he's moved with compassion over and over and over and over again throughout the New Testament. The feeling of compassion is so strong that the Greek word that is attached to it has to do everything with your gut. Everything with everything inside of you is moved and he's physically filled with compassion for this guy on the side of the road and he does something about it. He stops, he takes care of him, he takes him to the inn, he gives practical medical care, puts him on a donkey to transport him, gives money to pay for the inn. And at the end of the parable, Jesus asks the lawyer and he asks all of us today, who is my neighbor? And the lawyer answers, the one who had mercy. And Jesus ends the parable by saying, go and do likewise. Go and do it. Right. And it takes a lot of maturity to be able to do that with a sincere heart. Mm. And so what does it mean for us to grow into an emotionally mature adult and know this compassion? Mm -hmm. Know this compassion that's been demonstrated here. So we want to give you two basic keys and applications for us to grow and to live your best life. And the first one is this. It requires becoming aware. There's that word again. We've used it, I think, every week in this series. As becoming aware of your family's capacity um, for emotional connection. The family you grew up in. How was emotional connection in your family? Your ability to love well as an adult is directly connected yeah. to how emotionally secure the environment was when you grew up. Mm. So, let's, so let's go back there. So here's a question to give you some sense of emotional, how your own emotional maturity is. Yeah. How emotionally secure and healthy was my environment growing up? Mm. That's good. You ask yourself this question. Can I recall being comforted as a child after a time of emotional distress. Mm. I know this is going to kind of trigger some of you a little bit, but let's just go there because the Holy Spirit wants to heal in this room today. I really believe that. Amen. God's come to redeem it and take it back. Amen. And so let's do that. But let's go back to maybe a painful moment in your life. Maybe you were cut from the basketball team. Who was there for you? Who, did someone embrace you? Did you talk about it? When your best friend moved away yeah. and you watched that van go and you just thought your world was over, who was there to kind of pick up mm. the pieces? Were you comforted? Maybe you had a betrayal happen in your life. Was there someone there to kind of help you through and help you through and comfort you during that time of emotional distress? Yeah, and what we've said through this, it's not a fault-finding measure as you go back into your world. Uh, with our parents, but I think most parents did the best they could with what they had, but recognizing that because those years really did shape you and me, and they shaped our ability to love and connect emotionally with people as adults, but the key is to look honestly at what was so I can gain a picture of where I can go in the years to come. Then I could begin a journey, and we know this is a journey of growth and health, and change, but you and I can't begin a journey of growth and health and change if we're unaware. And that's where we have to start. We have to start there. So we've got to, as we said a couple weeks ago, we've got to go back in order to go forward. And you can't go forward until you go back. Right. 
right? And so to become aware of that once again, hey, what did that feel like? Because I'm only going to be able to give out what I've learned and right. what, I've, what I've experienced. And this is where we can have the Holy Spirit's help to come in and through the hard work of discipleship, learn to get this right. Things yeah. like mentorship groups, things like life groups, things like lavish conference. We, we, we come yeah. to those things and we, be, we, we rub shoulders with people who are a little bit healthy. And we wow. say, you know what? I want what you have. And so I'm going to learn these things. Wow. But because I, I tell you yeah. what, our, our past says sometimes messed us up a little bit. And we have to relearn some of this stuff. Mm. For example, if you have parent loss in your childhood, maybe you had parent loss to an alcohol, alcoholism. Maybe you had parent loss mm. to abandonment. Maybe you had parent loss from a death. You know yeah. what? I, I can guarantee you some of that's going to carry over. And some of that is how you're reacting today to relationships. And you might be a little more guarded because of that, yeah. that pain. Or you might have a sense of abandonment and live in fear of that happening again yeah. to you. These things all carry with us. Yeah. You know, they don't define us. They don't define us because we have a God that's bigger. But they're not, they're not the end of our story. God can still take those and redeem those moments in your life and say, you know what? I'm Amen. not going to let that have the final say on me. I'm going to learn yeah. how to bring health through yeah. this situation. Perhaps it was abuse. Perhaps you experienced some kind of abuse growing up. Well, you probably have some trust issues today. Mm -hmm. You probably have some intimacy issues today. Work right. through those. Yeah. Let the Holy Spirit, maybe, maybe divorce was part of your history. Mm -hmm. And you say, you know what? These kind of things here are traumatic, and they hinder us from having close relationships and healthy yeah. relationships today. So we've got to deal so we can heal. Amen. God, God wants to bring healing Skin. to these situations. Amen. And the point is, is that what happens to us growing up in our childhood leaves an imprint. That's what we're saying on the core of who we are. It leaves an imprint in us. And how we emotionally connect or do not connect and relate to people or do not relate to people. And we must look at that honestly in order to be set free from it because it can be so painful. So we're called to maturely love well, and you've either experienced comfort from your parents or caregivers or it was absent. But it is so important to look at it, and that's what we're saying. The point is some of us may end up hiding really parts of ourselves, and in doing so, we avoid vulnerability, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. So what happens, if, if we're going to avoid them, we walk around with invisible barriers. We may know, and other people might not, and we might, or we might not even see as well. You know, I had a man tell me years ago that he could never grow close in a godly way with other men because of his, his father relationship growing up was so bad, so he was self-sabotaging relationships. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I thought that was powerful. Yeah. He self-sabotaged relationships he wouldn't allow himself to grow close to because of things that took place in his life earlier. He said, I'm on the other side of that now, and I have gone through a healing process of growth. So our, our lessons in loving well and our lessons in emotional maturity starts as children, and they last. They have a deep imprint on the core of who we are, right. and they have a core pattern that's put inside of us. Right, right. So what might have been survival for you as a child may now have become a pattern, mm. and as an adult, it actually can be a prison. Mm. Jesus came not only to save you, but he came to set you free. Amen. And so as we grow into this emotional yeah. adult that loves and is passionate about God, We'll also be able to love others well and understand yeah. fully what that means, even mm. in our, especially in our most intimate relationships. Yeah. But you know what? If you've never been loved well, this is going to be a challenge for you. 
Yeah. This is a challenge for you to, to learn and relearn. What does this look like for me to have healthy relationships? And we just mm. say, you know what? This is hard. We're going to be honest with you. This is a hard process, but it's a journey. And be patient with yourself and be patient with the Lord as he teaches you and mm. as he shows you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then secondly, we got to take some practical steps for discipleship to grow into emotionally mature adults. It, it, are you hearing us today? We're talking about discipleship. Can you say discipleship with me? We're talking about discipleship. We're talking about the hard work of discipleship today. And this is not easy. And many people do not see themselves through the process. As Kristen said just a moment ago, in your seats are these grow classes that are happening that are just a piece of your discipleship growth that through the church you can grow in. Uh, our connect groups, our life group, and wonderful life group leaders that are in mentorship groups and people that are involved in that. They're growing, church. It's happening. Many of you are a product of that. We want you all to be on the discipleship journey with us together because we are called to be lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. Let's be a part of it. I mean, even if you're 70 years of age here, you're still a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, am I telling the truth? And to those that are here that are younger, you may not see that. We want to encourage you and exhort you. Get in and be a part of discipleship. Become a lifelong follower of Jesus. So the parable of the Good Samaritan makes one point, that, that loving God and loving others are connected, and you can't disconnect. You can't, sna- you can't separate them. They're intertwined. It's the whole package together. And so we can't kid ourselves or deceive ourselves. Growing into an emotionally healthy adult can be very terrifying, right? It's frightening because some of us, if you, have, if you had an emotional awareness meter in you, some of, us, some of our meters are broken, you know? We, we've never developed self-reflective skills uh, to even feel. So the key is this. Becoming a Christian does not automatically make you an emotionally mature adult, but it gives you the grace and the courage and the power to break out of that prison and to learn to be an emotionally mature adult and to love well. Grace enables you to take risk and do some things differently. Amen? Amen. That's what it's about. So with God, you'll change those core patterns that were deeply imprinted on your soul And how did you become a Christian? You became a Christian by grace alone. You put your faith in God, but by grace, you received a gift. You do nothing. You simply receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. You receive it. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. And you know, it's the same way with growing Mm -hmm. into an emotional adult. It's it's repenting and saying, you know what? I'm going to reject the core ways that I've learned. I'm going to reject what... um, has has been I've learned my whole life as far as relationships and conflict and all I'm going to say no to silent treatments I'm going to say no to the pouting mm. I'm going to say no to holding grudges or name calling or temper tantrums and right. these things have taught me how to behave my whole life mm. and so now I'm opening myself up to Jesus Christ and saying Lord change me Amen. Lord change me and it's his grace that does that work it's yeah. a beautiful thing this as we said takes time you know you don't turn a caterpillar into a butterfly overnight, right? And you don't grow into an emotionally mature adult without hard work and time. It's the hard work of discipleship. It's the parable of the good Samaritan. Go and do likewise. 
is the exhortation to us today. And this is your spiritual, your spirituality having, having an impact, as we said the first week, into the deep iceberg and the deep parts of who you are to truly make that different in ways that you relate to people and to others. But you understand it's a process, and it takes time. And in, in fact, some of the signs that you are on the other side, some of you are like, well, how do I know? Well, here it is. Here's some. How do I know that I'm on the other side? That I, well, here's a couple of things. that You'll begin to act spontaneously, and creativity will begin to flow out of you. You'll find that you're able to enjoy the moments of life you find yourself losing interest in judging other people. You find yourself losing interest in power plays and conflict. And you even stop worrying so much because some things don't matter anymore. And you have frequent overwhelming episodes of appreciation for people and for life and a new sense of connectedness to people. Those are just some of the signs that you're beginning to turn the corner and you're getting on the other side of that. And we need to know that we can get on the other side right. of it with Absolutely. God's help, yeah. God's grace yeah. and mercy. This, this is what freedom looks like. It's the abundant life. It's the life mm. that you've dreamed of, that you know that God has a better plan. That's, that's what we're talking about here is getting healthy and finding ways to do that. So we encourage you today, yeah. um, whatever you have to do, get with those people who you see health and you, you see that they're modeling that. Rub shoulders with them. Take them yeah. to coffee. Trying to just, just put yourself in those positions where you can yeah. learn what it is to be healthy. I know in my own life, I've watched people. Wow, they handled that so mm. well. I want to I yeah. do that next time. I'm going to remember that. With the, sometimes I'll even say, I'm going to write that down because I want to remember yeah. that wording. That was so good. Yeah. But yeah, God has a better plan. Um, I just want to encourage us today that as followers of Christ, we should be known as people who love people who are nothing like us. Right. Amen. 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 Yeah. You know, the Good Samaritan went to the other side of the road. So many people are looking for, oh, who's just on my same side going in my same direction? He went to the other side of the road, and he went, and he had compassion. That's the love of the Father. That's the love that the Father has for us, so much so that he sent Jesus Christ to the other side of the road. He was in heaven, coming down for us to be an example to us that we would love those that are nothing like us. I will tell you, we have such an opportunity in history right now to do this, to do what Christ has called us to do. People who are nothing like us. But let me tell you something, they're lost. They need the Lord. Let's be emotionally healthy people to a world that is spiritually lost and emotionally unhealthy. We get to do that with the Lord's help.